Good morning. My name is Cassidy Hess, and I will be reading today's scripture, which is James 4, 13 through 17. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, that's the text we're going to be in this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to James chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers would be happy to provide you with one. Just go ahead and flag them down. And Cass is with us. He's one of our middle schoolers here at LAFC. And there's some who are in this room today that maybe don't typically join us for, for teaching and preaching here because you are being taught by our Kidman shepherds in the hallway next door. So if you are here and you're in eighth grade or younger, would you just stand up so I could kind of get a look for where you're at in the room? All right. Yeah, welcome, guys. We appreciate having you here. Actually, if you're in like third grade or younger, stand on your chairs. Don't worry, the deacons won't come after you. Let me just get a look at where you're at. Okay, very good. Well, good morning. Good morning. All right, you guys can, I, I left you all standing for like 10 minutes first service so you can sit down. Let me just say that before, you, before I forget. I'm Tom, I'm one of the elders here. And uh, you might not know this, but when Jesus would go around and teach, whole families would come out to see him, just like your families are this morning. Now, just to be clear, I'm not Jesus, right? But, uh, but uh, let me show you a picture and see if you recognize what it is that you're looking at. Does this, kids, does this look familiar to you? A me- it's a, a megaphone or a, uh, um, a bullhorn. Now, I asked my kids when I showed them this picture, you know, what do you think this is? And they're like, well, we think it's a fart gun. So <laughs> I just want to clarify, this is, a, this is a megaphone. And the way megaphones work is that they don't have words of their own, but they just amplify the words that are spoken through them. And this is what we pray happens on a Sunday morning when we preach, that I'm not up here speaking my own words, but we pray that God speaking through his scripture, through the preaching, by the Holy Spirit, would be able to speak to you this morning. And what that means then is as you listen, you don't wanna be listening for what I have to say, but be listening for what the Father might want to speak to you through his word. And then kids also, one more thing, when Jesus would travel around and he would teach, Afterwards, he would invite the kids to come up to him with whatever questions or prayers they might have. So I just want to invite you this morning that if there's something that you hear as you're listening that you got a question about, or if there's something going on in your life that you need prayer for, I would invite you to come up front this morning or go back to our encounter room with your parents. But if you're, if you're intimidated to come up front, I'm gonna give you a, a one-time offer this morning, all right? This might not come again. This morning, you have a fast pass to the front of the line, all right? 
I know sometimes maybe you feel like there's a bunch of adults and you're kind of around the outside. This morning, you can confidently come right up to the front and I would be happy to pray with you or to interact with any questions you might have. So with that, let's get into our, into our uh, book today. Now, if you've been with us for the last few months, or maybe you're just joining us this morning, we've been in the book of James, and we've looked at a lot of different things. We've looked at uh, aspects of Christian maturity. We've looked at the relationship between faith and works. We've also considered how to relate to one another, either how to speak to each other or how to deal with conflict. Now this morning, we're moving into the last movement of our book where James considers various aspects of who God is and then he applies that then to how we're supposed to live or how we're supposed to see the world that's around us. So last week, we looked at God as the lawgiver and judge. And then we considered what did that mean for us in terms of how we judge with one another. This week... And then when we get back into James in two weeks, we're going to be considering God as the Lord Almighty. And then taking that and thinking, okay, so if God is Lord Almighty, how then should I see the world? Or how then should I live? And in the, towards the end of chapter 5, we're going to see the Lord as judge again, but this time as the judge who is returning again soon. And looking at what then that means for how we're supposed to live or see the world. Now, this theme of looking at the Lord and then applying it or seeing what that, how that's supposed to shape us is one that's reoccurring in all of Scripture. In fact, it influences a lot of the songs that we sing on Sunday morning. So, for example, we would sing, When I survey the wondrous cross, my richest gain I count as loss. See the relationship there? Our kids, if you're in created to praise, you're going to be singing like this next week for us when we're in the park. You're going to sing, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Therefore, let us shine our light and let the whole world see. And we're going to sing for the glory of our risen king. Beholding him, looking at him, changes the way that we live. It influences the way we see the world. If you remember back, if you were with us in December, we had a series that was entitled Behold, where we applied this principle for a few different weeks. And what we did in that season is we encouraged one another to slow down, to pause, and to consider the miracle of the incarnation of the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ our Lord, who in an effort for us to be able to know him, didn't just send us a letter or a DM or a text message. No, he condescended from his throne in heaven, wrapped himself in flesh, and dwelt among us that we might know him. And as we beheld that, some of our more silly traditions just started to pale in comparison to that. So this morning, we want to take this principle back off the shelf and use it to help us understand where James is coming from when he, when he wrote the text that Cassidy just read for us. And I'm going to summarize the principle like this. Behold the Lord Almighty to see yourself rightly. 
Behold the Lord Almighty to see yourself rightly. Kids, if you were able to grab a uh, church bag on your way in, you actually have a, a coloring page with this on it. So if you're like my daughter, Ella, who listens best when she is doing some coloring and engaging that part of her mind, I would just encourage you, go ahead and color this in. I would love to see your artwork when you're done. I got this after first service. So if you can achieve this level or greater, I would love to see what it is you're working on. Behold the Lord Almighty to see yourself rightly. Now there's, there's many areas we think about it, there's many areas that we could stand to maybe see ourselves more rightly on, but we're going to stick with the one that's in our text this morning. And what we're dealing with here in James chapter 4 is seeing uh, how we plan for the future or how we think about where our life is going more rightly. And we see this in verse 13. Verse 13 says, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. And what we're going to see, we'll circle back to this in a few minutes, but what we're going to see is that if we talk this way, or when these people were talking this way, it was talking out of their arrogance. This is a plan or way of thinking about the future which does not consider God's will for that life. We'll come back there. But we'll see then in the text that this way of speaking is actually contrasted with a different way of speaking. And we see that in verse 15. So in verse 15, we read, instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. So here we see a humble mindset, a mindset that understands that we're not ultimately the ones who are in control. But what is it, what attribute, attribute or aspect of the Lord is it that gives us confidence or faith that he is able to carry out or accomplish what his will is? That aspect is what I want to spend a few minutes beholding this morning. So have you ever beheld something that is just much greater than you? You can remember how that makes you feel. My family has had the opportunity to go to this, the, the Kennedy Space Center down in, or, uh, in Florida twice. And so we've been down to Orlando. We've never been to Disney, but we've been to the Space Center a couple times. So you get a feel for what it's like to live as one of my kids. Um, but the last time that we were down there, we got to behold something. I got a space fan out there. I love that. Um, we got to behold something that is just truly greater than us. We got to see a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket launch. It's so cool. So we were a little bit, you know, a couple miles away. Here's a picture of my family and I kind of seeing this thing in the sky. I also have a picture from a professional photographer. So you can see what this looks like from someone who has a, a real camera, right? It's just absolutely amazing to see this thing. It is such a feat to get a 220 foot tall, 1 million pound machine into space. It takes a lot of energy. 6,000 gigajoules to be precise. Now, if you don't know what that means, so I had a couple in first service that do, but if you don't know what that means, let me ask you a trivia question. All right, kids, I got a question for you. If you were to bottle up all the energy in a rocket and feed it into a light bulb, 
how long would that light bulb stay lit for? 10 days, 10 years, 10,000 years, or 10 million years? A, B, C, or D? You guys got an answer? The answer is D, 10 million years. It takes a lot of energy to get a rocket into space. Now, I realize that for some of you, rockets might not be your thing. I don't really understand you, but for some of you, rockets aren't your thing. So let me just show you something else that maybe this resonates with you a little bit more. There's power in these falls, right? So what you might not know about Horseshoe Falls or Niagara Falls is that about half of the water that historically would have poured over those falls has actually been diverted around those falls for power generation. So second trivia question for you. If you were to use those power plants to try and produce that same amount of energy that's in a rocket, 6,000 gigajoules, how long would those power plants have to run for? 60 minutes? 60 hours? 60 days or 60 weeks? Take a guess. All right, I hear a lot of Ds out there. The correct answer is A, 60 minutes. You see, as powerful as that man-made rocket is, the power of these falls is far greater. And the hand that carved these falls into the rock is greater still. Which is why the psalmist says, mightier than great thunders, of, than the great thunders of the waters, and mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. And as you read through authors of scripture who were inspired by the Holy Spirit, to, as they grappled with the reaches of their imagination to try and put in words just how powerful our Lord is. They had to go to the furthest reaches of what they could think of. He's the one who spread out the heavens. He's the one who laid the foundations of the earth. He put the sun and the moon in place. He parted the Red Sea. One psalmist even just gives up completely on trying to describe it and confesses who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or who can fully declare his praises. And it's not just in the macro that we see the might of the Lord. We see it in the micro as well. I love how Spurgeon describes this when he says, I believe that every particle of dust that dances in the sunbeam does not move an atom more or less than God wishes. You see, this phrase that we read in James, the Lord's will, is not going to mean much to us unless we become like James and behold the unimaginable might of the God that can accomplish it. Once we behold the Lord Almighty, then we can begin to see ourselves rightly as Solomon did when he declared, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. You see, only a mighty God can do that. He also confessed in, the, in their hearts, humans plan their course, <clears throat> but he establishes their steps. 
He also said, the lot is cast in the lap. Kids, if you don't know what a lot is, imagine the roll of a dice or the roll of many dice. The lot is cast in the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Meaning that I'm sorry, fate, and I'm sorry, luck, but you don't exist. Everything that seems random to us because of our perspective is not random at all. It is all under the sovereign might and control of our Lord. And it's against this glorious backdrop of God's uncontested power that we can now step in and consider our will and how we should then live and plan for the future. So James 4, verse 13. It says, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Let's pause there. So what's going on in this passage? Well, it starts with now listen. James is trying to get somebody's attention. Last week in verse 11, we read the addresses brothers and sisters. This week it's now listen. Chapter five, verse one also says now listen. It's a bit of a different tone. And as I thought through these different tones, I imagined the brothers and sisters address, this would be sort of like when my wife is like, hey hon, hey babe. Like very kind, gentle, loving. Now listen, a little different. For me, it sounds like, Thomas, still loving, still loving, just a little bit of a different tone. That's what's happening here. So he says, now listen, you who say. So he's addressing people who are saying something specific. And what's being talked about in this passage are people who say things that make it sound like they're the ones who are in control. They think that they're in control of their time. Look at what they say. We're gonna do this thing today or tomorrow and we're gonna do it for a year. They think they're in control of their place. We're gonna do it in this or that city. They think they're in control of their activities. We're gonna carry on business. And they think they're in control of the outcome. We're gonna make money. Now it should be no surprise to us that the one who believes they're in control might be after the thing that mankind has always been after in order to gain more of a sense of control, which is money or wealth. Let me just show you how uh, deeply this is ingrained in human nature. So this, what we're reading, written about 2,000 years ago. Let me show you something that was written about three years ago. This is a book 12 months to $1 million. Can anyone see any parallels to our text? Spend a year, carry on business, and make money. If you see there, number one bestseller. Now, what makes me believe that people who have this perspective or write books like this or read books like this think that they're in control is the last line. It's a little tiny, so I'm gonna read it for you. The last line of the marketing pitch for this book says this. If you have the guts to complete it, you will be 
the proud owner of a million dollar business and be in a position to call your own shots for life. Which leads us to one of our big questions this morning. Do you want to call your own shots? Some of the kids are thinking, yes, I can't wait. I haven't called a single shot my entire life. (laughs) It's human nature to want that. And maybe your domain is the home. It might not be in the business world like this book or this passage. So you might not have a plan like it has in verse 13, a business plan, but it doesn't mean that if your domain's the home that you don't make plans. It's just sometimes those plans might come from a parenting self-help book or a mommy blog or any other source of material that tries to give you a path out of the difficult life that you find yourself in and promises you a thriving life that you think you want. And look, pursuing control doesn't always have to be for the go-getters, for the people who have plans. You can actually pursue a sense of control by doing the exact opposite. You can give up on career aspirations. You can detach from community. You can stop making commitments. You can mentally check out. These are all just defensive ways of trying to restore in your own mind a sense of control. And I know that some of you sitting here, if you had the option you would move to a remote island and live in a cardboard box if it meant you'd be in control. As you think back to the government lockdowns, if those were your glory days, this might be you. So if you sense this inclination to try and gain control of your life, by making plans without consideration to the Lord's will in those plans, then I invite you to just walk with me. Let's read what the Lord has revealed to us to help us work through this in our hearts. You see, in verse 14, the gentle Holy Spirit tries to awaken us to to begin to see ourselves rightly, to begin to see ourselves and the world around us as it truly is. Verse 14 starts with, why you do not know, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. Now, there's probably not a less controversial verse in all of scripture. This has been most of our, if not all of our experience. In fact, if it's not your experience, I would suggest you get involved in investing. You'd probably do quite well. But for the rest of us, we don't know what will happen tomorrow. And so what the Holy Spirit's trying to say is, if you don't know what will happen tomorrow, do you really want to be in the driver's seat of your life? Would you, would you jump into a car with a blindfold on? It's a gentle encouragement, but there's more. The Holy Spirit wants to show us more. So let's read on. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Do you remember this picture? 
6,000 gigajoules per hour, mightier than the thunder of great waters is the Lord. And do you see what's gathering at the bottom? It's mist. It's mist. Mist is, is, is gathering up just tiny little droplets of mist that are so small that when they finally make it to the top or make it to the surface and they encounter a ray of sunlight or some dry air, they just, they just evaporate. They're just gone. James is saying, compared to the might of our God, that is what our life is like. We are like mist. Every part of our sin nature just wants to deny this. We don't want to accept this reality. We want to be the God of our domains. And even if you're one of the few that seems to have achieved the the control that you were after, what we're seeing here is a reminder that everything that you have gained will one day pass away, as will we. All right, kids, look at me just for one second. If you hear one thing this morning, I want you to hear this. Everything that you might be after, whether it would be some sports achievement that you're looking for, good grades, maybe one day make some money, get a job. I know your parents would love that. But anything that it is that you will gain throughout your life, it will one day vanish unless your gain is Christ. You see, Jesus Christ is from everlasting to everlasting. He does not fade. He does not pass away. And if you gain him, you gain riches that are incomprehensible. You gain one who speaks to us and his words are as sweet as honey. And you can be sure that his inheritance will not pass away. It is secure. But there's a problem. You see, we don't come into this world neutral. We come into this world rebellious against God. Because of our sin nature, we're naturally rebellious against God. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And when we behold the righteousness of God, we see that our own way, where we try to walk and plan apart from him, will achieve for us the thing that maybe we were after, is that it becomes eternity apart from him. And we call that eternal death. But in Jesus Christ, you can be recreated so that fading mist is only chapter one of your story. Because if the spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead is in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit that is in you. 
So this morning, I invite you to behold the one who loved you so much that he died on the cross for your sins and whose power is so great that he was raised again. Know that when you entrust yourself to him, when you put your faith in him, you receive all of the benefits of his righteousness, including his everlasting love. But don't assume you have tomorrow. What did we just read? We don't know what tomorrow will bring. One day, like all of mankind, we will vanish into the presence of the Lord. And whether you enter into his presence wrapped in Christ's righteousness or your own sin will determine how you spend eternity. But don't delay. If you're sitting, hearing my voice now, all I can guarantee you is the moment that we're in, there is no guarantee for tomorrow. So as we wrap up here, Let's read verse 15 and 16. This, is, this one's directed more for believers. So verse 15 says, Instead, you ought to say, If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Let me just tell you, there is great freedom for the heart that, that has as his mindset, if the Lord wills, we'll live and we'll do this or do that. That is how we were designed to live, entrusting ourselves to him. And let me just clarify, these are not magic words, if the Lord wills, that we just put on the front of our plans. If you go through and look at the way that some of the apostles wrote through the New Testament, you'll see that sometimes, and maybe a lot of times, they say, if the Lord wills, we'll do this or we'll do that. But sometimes they didn't say that. But for them, it was a mindset, a mindset that had beheld the great might of our God. And then out of that, submitted all of their plans to him. Sometimes saying it, sometimes not. In that mindset, we still plan. In verse 15, it says, if, the Lord, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. So there's still planning going on. But with the heart that embraces this, those plans are now under his sovereign control and care. So that if our plans fail, and they will, or if a storm in life hits us and seems to have knocked where we thought we were going off course, we can trust that the one who is both all-powerful and all-loving is in control. And by the way, that combination, knowing that God is both all-powerful and all-loving, is some of the greatest news we could ever hear. Even though they're not magic words, 
Let's not forget what we read from James chapter three. His warning where he said, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set off a fire by a small spark. You see, we don't always have to use that phrase, but if we don't, we need to be careful because boasting can sneak into our language very easily. When I was first studying this passage and I read through verse 13, I was thinking, this sounds like a pretty good business plan. I, I think I've put together business plans that sound a lot like this. And as you consider how we live in the culture of achievement that we all are swimming in every day, a culture which elevates, not only is okay with, but elevates the ones who seem like they have a plan and they're in control, James is saying, be careful not to get drawn into that because it can quickly become arrogant boasting, which is evil. And let me just show you how easy this is to, to slip into. I'll give you a few examples. Maybe you've said something like, my parenting style or my school choice will achieve a better outcome for my kids. Lord willing, I pray that for my kids. Or perhaps you've said, I've worked hard my whole career and I've saved diligently, so now I will spend my days traveling and enjoying the fruit of my labor. Don't forget, you don't even know what tomorrow will bring. So submit all of your plans. Even in the final years, submit all of your plans to the Lord's will. And these plans can even sound Christian-y, right? We will save more people for Christ if we would just implement my way of, of doing church or my philosophy or my program. Be careful. When your plans become the path to glory, gotta be warned. You might be slipping into this evil boasting. So what is our best defense against falling into this? Behold the Lord Almighty to see yourself rightly. You see, we can boast, but let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. We boast in our weakness and in his great strength. Not my will, but your will be done. And let me just tell you that if you can entrust your salvation to him, if you can trust your eternal destiny to him, you can also trust him with tomorrow. Let's pray. Lord Almighty, We stand humbly in your presence, knowing that the only foundation that allows us to stand with confidence is the foundation of Jesus Christ, our Lord, 
who took care of the weight of our sin, bore the wrath and is now seated, a man on the throne of God, that he might call us brothers and sisters into the presence of God, Lord. So I pray that as we enter into a time here of just submitting to you, Lord, that you would stir in our spirit to help us see who we truly are. That we are both infinitely small. What is man that you're mindful of him? But that in you, we have everything. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. When we hear the word of the Lord and a message like that, it's very normal that we feel convicted or we hear from God things that we need to change. Or we realize, oh, I, I have been look, living the way I'm not supposed to. I have been thinking the way I'm not supposed to. So the reason we end with a song is it gives us the opportunity to commit out loud, to immediately put into action, submitting to God, singing out loud, saying to ourselves and to the people around us that what we've just heard and what God has just revealed to us, what the Spirit has revealed to us, we need it and we're going to follow it. So let's put that into practice. Church, let's stand together. Let's declare our need for God.
When temptation comes my way When I cannot stand, I'll fall on you Jesus, you're my hope and stay When I cannot stand, I'll fall on you Jesus, you're my is more where sin runs deep your grace is more where grace is found is where sing that again where sin runs deep where sin runs deep your grace is more where grace is found is where where you are, Lord, and where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me. Well, as we close out this morning, before I forget, I want to remind you we're going to be worshiping in the park next week. I can't wait for that. I love being able to sing with the whole community of believers all in one place, both services. So uh, don't forget to go there because there won't be anyone here, but we'll worship with you in the park next week. As we wrap up today... Some of you, if you had your Bibles open, you might have noticed that I missed a verse. <laughs> I'm going to just go into part two right now so you guys can take a seat. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, let, me read, <laughs> let me read verse 17. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. It, it could be a, its own sermon. But just with that in mind, I want to read you some words from another person who served with James and who also beheld the might of God and understood the brevity of his own life. And I'll leave you these, with these words from Peter. Love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not with perishable seed, but of imperishable, 
through the living and enduring word of God. Four, all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Go in peace. We'll see you at the park next week.